Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated. Also, I have a new album coming out called Comeback World. For tour dates and more information, please visit josepharthur.com and follow me on Instagram, joseph underscore arthur. Today's episode is David Broza. Oh, yeah? Everything is incredible. We're well, all incredible. Everything. I don't know. Then yeah. nothing. Then nothing is. Then we're back to nothing is incredible. Back to nothing is where it's headed. <laughs> we're headed that way, man. No, I mean, but you're, yeah, but, uh, you know, not everybody gets a box of poems from Towns Van Zant and says, hey, uh, I want you to put the music. To, I mean, True. And it's happened. You like, know, that's what I'm talking about. Yeah, we're all incredible and we're all special, but. No, that, Some that of us get boxes of poems from Towns Van Zandt. Some of us don't. Nobody understands it. I don't either. But uh, well, I under <laughs> I understand it. I feel like right away. <clears throat> Maybe it's because I I am just discovering you, but and he only just discovered you right that one gig. That one gig. What Three happened? years before what, he died. What, what was the story? Well, the whole gig started on a hilltop in uh, Edmonton. The festival there in the Canada. And uh, what year was this? Ninety-four. By the way, this is David Broza. Hey, Joseph. <laughs> nice to see you, Joseph Arthur. I love the name Arthur. It's my dad's name. Oh, so okay. There's a good, good. Uh, there's a good thing when I I hear the name and I can say it. It's fantastic. But um, so I was playing in um, in a concert in uh, Edmonton festival, mm-hmm. huge festival. I was in it in a tiny little place on the field on a hilltop. <clears throat> and then it sounds like almost like a, an illusion. <clears throat> this older guy walks up. <clears throat> this older guy walks up <clears throat> and, and he introduces himself as David Amram. And David Amram is like, a, how can I say it, an iconic figure in the art world in America. And you may not have heard of him. Right? David, David. Admit you haven't heard of oh, David Amram. Yeah, I, I have no problem <clears throat> right. admitting the ignorance. So that guy, I, that guy, he I relish owns, in it. <laughs> but if, if we're part of the universe, he owns the universe. Oh, uh, okay. Uh, so David Amram is the guy who started the beat generation. He's the first beatnik. Really? And he's the guy who got Jack Kerouac. How to come read. I haven't heard of him? There you go, because you haven't met me. Oh. <laughs> this is why we're meeting. This so is to, where, this is to, to, to widen up, your, brighten, brighten your days and widen your uh, yeah, I had a, contacts. Yeah, I, I had a couple of... Theories of why we're meeting, but you got You got to meet David Amram. You got to have him here. Okay, he's got to be eighty-seven or so. Wow, the most amazing, like vitality, like nobody has. And uh, anyway, he walks up that hill, and he says, uh, uh, "What do you call me, Pops? Hey, Pops." He calls you Pops. He calls everybody Pops. Hey, Pops, like bro, (laughs) right? Like Poppy. We call each other Poppy. (laughs) Like bro, you know. So uh, I say, "Yeah, who I'm, David Amram." I want I want you to meet an artist by the name of Towns Van Zandt. Wow. That sound the name itself doesn't sound like it like it's you can't say it in one phrase. Right. So had I, you I, never heard of Towns before or had you? I knew his songs but I didn't know it was him. Oh, okay. You know? Yeah. Uh, you know. So fine. So let's let's do it. Now I just go I just keep rolling. And and then he um we 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 establish a friendship. We exchange contacts and before i know it we have a date 
in uh, in Houston, Texas, mm-hmm. at a place called the Main Street Theater. It's organized by uh, Linda Lowe, who's a great singer-songwriter from from the area, mm-hmm. and uh, real kind of a country musician, country western storyteller. And um, they put together this show where each of us sings a song in a round. Okay. And it's Townsend Mean. Basically, they're setting me and Towns up. Then I. They don't care if they don't sing a song. Because David Amram is a scatter. He scats. Oh, okay. So, um, and he's worked with Thelonious Monk. He's worked with Izzy Gillespie. You name it, everybody. He's like the conductor of uh, West Side Story under Leonard Bernstein. And the man has walked the history of Mm -hmm. music and rock and roll. He kind of taught Bob Dylan tricks about songwriting when Bob Dylan was just starting in 1961 or 62. Yeah. So he's been everywhere. He's like um, Forrest Gump. He's like Zelig. <laughs> Forrest Gump. Oh, yeah. Zelig. Or, yeah. He's Forrest Gump. He's yeah. been everywhere. Yeah. Everything. And uh, he conducts, he ends, up, he, ends up, he ends up conducting my uh, symphonic suite, which I'd never thought I'd write one, but when I meet him, I say, why not? That's so, incredible. Uh, when you meet he, people he, that inspire. Bring, yeah, and I bring him to Israel to conduct. So he puts me together with Townsend. In that meeting that we have in 1994, at the theater, Main Street Theater in Houston, I get to sing my song, so I, I, don't, I, I don't beg forgiveness for anything. I just take a guitar and play what's on my heart. What do you mean you don't beg forgiveness? I, I do what I do, and I don't ask anybody to forgive me for abusing their space or maybe hitting him in the wrong note. Oh, you, you're confident? No, apologi- no, I'm not apologetic you're not, when I perform. You're not, a not pe- when I perform. In every other place? Afterward, in other place? Probably am. Yeah, I'm sorry if I bothered you. I'm sorry. Uh. <laughs> <laughs> so being as non-apologetic, I open up with the blues in Hebrew. Uh-huh. And Towns knows nothing about me. I know a little bit about him. Yeah. So he just jumps out of his seat like, what the hell is that? I uh-huh. said, it's a blues in Hebrew. Says, who are you? So I tell, I tell him who I am. Uh-huh. And he sings a song. And then it's my turn. And I sing a song in Spanish. What did he sing? I think it was Dollar Bill Blues or something. Uh-huh. And then you switch up to Spanish? It's Spanish. I, I just want the audience to get as much of me as they can in three or four songs. I'm not going to have... Ends up to be a four-hour show. Right. Like we're ping-ponging once again, one against the other. Uh-huh. And, cr- and, and then I do a song in English. That's of an crazy to go up against towns like that. <laughs> I mean... <laughs> it was beautiful, but t- but <laughs> David Amram, David Amram had it in his mind when he saw me on that hill. Uh-huh. He saw the whole thing. He actually was able to put it together. Yeah, and I bless him for that. In '94, you're an established. You're not like uh, you're an established musician who's been playing for 20 years. So you're not intimidated by towns, or it's or you're just doing your thing. First, I'm doing my thing. Uh, I started playing in '77 professionally, and when '94, yeah, you're right. It's about 20 years. Damn. But I'm established in Israel. I'm not established outside of Israel. Mm-hmm. Nobody knows me. But you weren't intimidated by towns? I'm always intimidated, but it's more about how can I perform well enough to to justify not, taking yeah. five minutes of your time. Mm-hmm. I better be really, really on top of it and like fully concentrated, ready to like take no prisoners. Yeah. This is my f- that's why I say I'm not apologetic. I just do my thing. Mm-hmm. I may be over the top. I may be, you know bypassing my, my goals and, and end up in an empty field instead of right in the field where the, everybody is, you know, like overshooting my... my uh, Your station? 
<laughs> Overshooting. I just want to enjoy what I'm doing, so I got to play my. Make best. an album called Overshooting the Stations. There we go. It'll be a, a, a play. Yeah, a triple be a, album. Triple album with a one-string guitar. <laughs> just do that. Oh yeah, exactly. You entertain me now. <laughs> oh yeah, one-string guitar and a loop yeah. machine. So that's it. So uh, Towns gives me his phone number and says, "Call me." I also have poetry because I, I do. Poems by uh, Israeli poets, by Federico Garcia Lorca, Spanish, by Elizabeth Bishop that night. Elizabeth Bishop, a very established... You put Lorca poems to music? I actually... Sometimes, yeah. And That's awesome. That was a big Leonard Cohen uh, inspiration. Well, we Lorca. did... We did. Uh, this, we him. were on the I same album. We wrote the same music. Uh, it was 50 years to Lorca's death. Oh, really? And you I was Leonard, one of the Leonard artists. Cohen? Yeah. Nice. And Chico Buarque and Paco de Lucia. Yeah, a lot of artists. Wow. Yeah, he did his, uh, the waltz, the Vienna. I did another, I did one in Hebrew. Translated mm. him to Hebrew. I work with poets, so I you don't... You translate to Hebrew, huh? In this case, yeah, we translated yeah. with a friend of mine, Jonathan Geffen, who's an incredible Spanish poet, uh, Israeli poet. Wow. And uh, I give him the notion, I, word by word, we go through the whole thing, and then he rewrites it. It's a beautiful... Okay, Thanks. <laughs> we've done a lot of work like that. Yeah. Uh, so yeah, so Towns got very, very excited, and... And then we tried to meet. We met again at um, in, a, in a folk festival, in Kerrville Folk Festival. You know Kerrville Folk Festival? Kerrville Folk? No, I don't know. You know? Oh, no. you'd love it. I would love Kerville it. Kerrville Folk somebody, Festival? Somebody needs to book me. <laughs> it's easy. Let me, let's say Kerrville Folk Festival is probably the longest standing festival in America. It's mm -hmm. for over 40 years. Uh, everybody's played there including Dylan. I mean, mm. everybody's played. But it's the thing is you play in front of an audience, mm -hmm. like 6,000 people come. Everybody camps out. And after that, you go from one campfire to another. Mm. You know, and you play at the campfires. And everybody pulls out their instruments and, and jam with you. That's great. So everybody's jamming. And, and me and Towns, we did that at one point. And Peter mm -hmm. Yarrow, remember Peter Yarrow from Peter Paul Peter and Mary? Peter Paul and Mary. Yeah. He's one of the founders. Wow. Um, I For me, it was a, a blast because it gets me to see for the first time folk music from American folk music from the core mm. from where it comes out of you know it's those yeah. those people who who are you know some of car Invented mechanics it. and bankers and doctors and teachers and, and their their passion is, is, is writing yeah, yeah. <clears throat> and they play all the time yeah. that's the last time I saw Towns uh but well, that, it was the that, one and only time right? Or no the one time I saw it in the Main Street Theater oh okay and then they staged us together me Towns and Peter, Peter Yarrow on a smaller stage, mm -hmm. uh, but we never we didn't talk again. And um, then uh, you never called him. He gave you his number, but you never. I think I think I tried. It was hard to reach him. Yeah. I, do, I know I tried. Uh, and then Linda Lowe from Houston, Texas, calls me the day after he died, or on the day that he died, January first, nineteen ninety-seven, and he says, "You know, Towns died." But she says, "But the eerie thing about it." is that about three weeks ago, he called me. Mm. He called her and said, would you please make sure or find a way for, for David Broza to get my poems? I put them in a shoebox. Mm. Make sure he gets them. And like he's got a premonition. Mm. This is like three weeks or maybe two weeks before he died. How did he die? 
consumption of drugs uh, and alcohol. Yeah, okay, right. So it was. He was. He was already. I think his body was already giving in. So he knew he was. It was imminent. Well, he maybe couldn't have, he couldn't have known. Or he didn't know. Okay. But you know, sometimes when you're headed yeah, you in a one-way street, yeah. you know, there's you're not looking for real help. Although, yeah, he might have tried to get a hospital. It wouldn't have helped anyway. Right. He was. His body was shot. So, anyway, I was shocked at that. But it wasn't so simple. So, that's a long story. That's when the long story begins. <laughs> oh, keep that's going. a great. Then, then how that's a great line. Book? That's when the long story begins. <laughs> yeah, this was the short introduction. I love that. Yeah. You know, three days later. Well, we okay, got let's time. get to the story. We got time. Mm. You know, we're ready for long stories. Well, you know. <laughs> so I, I do what I have to do. I get in touch with his widow or divorced widow, mm -hmm. which, oddly enough, he ends up dying in her house. Mm. That's where he passed out. And um, I call her. She she would have knowledge of where these poems are. And she's out coming out to New York City for a kind of a memorial for him at um, The Bottom Line, which was a great club at the time. I remember The Bottom Line. In fact, the only time I ever did a Songs in the Round was at The Bottom Line. But anyway. They had Songs in the Round at The Bottom yeah, Line? Yeah, I did one with Citizen Cope and Suzanne Vega. And really? Yeah, I was yeah. there. I used yeah. to do the Bitter End ones. <laughs> Yeah, the bitter end. I played there too. But they, that's when they had the singers in the round. I don't do the singers, writers in the round. But anyway, that's a diversion. Keep keep going. So yeah, and I used to play there too in the at the bottom line. But she was doing a, a memorial for him. At the bottom so line. she said, "I'll come to New York. Let's meet." We met. She knew she didn't know me from anybody, and uh -huh. uh, she said, "I know, I know that this is what he wanted, but would you consider letting me show it first to like Bob Dylan, Willie Nelson, you know?" Emmylou Harris and and I said, "Hey, you kidding? Of course. It's like these are big names, mm. and you go th you go do the rounds, yeah. And if if they don't want it, great. And if they want, give me what's left, right? And let's see what happens. And I let it go for eight years. Eight years. That's the long story. Damn, eight, <laughs> eight years. I thought it was like next week. She's getting back to you. Was no, no. Eight, you know, I think I was. I get eight my, years. My Come attitude on. is. My attitude is like, all right, it'll happen when it has to happen. Yeah. And you will get. You'll get to it when it's right. So one day, eight years later. Eight years. <laughs> well, I'm just. Did it, did it cross your mind during those eight? Well, years? I died a few times during those eight years. Yeah. And I mean, came back. How many? Like. <laughs> like four resurrections by then. <laughs> it's like, who are you even? Are you the same? Per are you the same David Broza? Then? Probably not. Probably not. But uh, that might be a good thing. I have no clue. And so it was mm. uh, eight years later. I'm playing in Houston, Texas, mm -hmm. and I'm saying, "Damn, this is where I met Towns." Mm. Just pops into my head. Right. See, you don't want to. You don't want to be obsessed with something. Right. This could become an obsessive thought in your mind that constantly gets you when am i getting to these poems or whatever right so you don't want to it's like something i've learned f i guess from a very young age like if you can't get it right now you'll get it when it's time and just be busy and yeah you probably have so many other projects Times, you're thinking yeah. about all the time anyway so right right so i call her and i say uh she's in nashville so I, remember me i'm david broza she says sure i remember you and i've been asking about you in nashville and you got lots of friends here i said i don't I don't know, but probably Jewish guys or Israelis. I don't have many from the music industry, a few, mm -hmm. but not many. So, uh, I, uh, so what happened with the song? She says, just like you said, nothing. Because I predicted that probably it would be hard mm -hmm. for anybody to touch. I didn't see the poems. But I worked with poetry all my, all my career. Mm. 
that's the thing about my music writing is I write the song, music to poems 90% of the time. Really? Yeah. So it started in Israel. So it's words first, basically. Yeah. The words inspire the music totally. for you. Mm -hmm. That's very interesting. That's yeah. not you. That's atypical, I'd say. Here in the States. Yeah. I would say it's atypical. But in Israel, for sure, it's typical. In Spain, definitely. Uh -huh. Other countries, I don't know. but um, That's cool. Because I come from Israel, but I lived in Spain, too. And I yeah. kind of... So uh, I say to her, so I can, I can come. I'm, I'm in Houston. I can come over to Nashville tomorrow and pick them up. She says, you don't have to. Give me your email address. I'll copy them, you know, scan them, and I'll send them to you. Said, right. Okay, once again, I'm going to wait. Let's hope it happens. Eight years should go by again. <laughs> Another eight years. It's not a couple of weeks went by. And she sent them to me. A couple of weeks? Come on. It's, a, it's an email. <laughs> Learn how to use it. At that point. <laughs> <laughs> call tech support. <laughs> At that point, That's I didn't really care. Dude. It didn't matter. <laughs> Actually, I, I, st I think I started getting nervous then. What's going to happen if I receive them and I don't like them? You know? um, Were they handwritten or typed? Typed. Interesting. So there we go. And then... And were uh, they fantastic? What? Yeah. They're amazing. How and many did she send? Were they lyrics or poems? 25. Poems. poems. Oh. Well, you know, he doesn't write in a heavy poetic were, manner, but... They rhymed and stuff? Or? No. No. No, no. Not necessarily. So uh, it took another four years because I was doing a lot of projects. At the time, mm -hmm. I was doing something close to between 250 and 300 shows a year. Wow. All over the world. I mean, mostly in Israel. Mm. I was doing 250 shows in Israel a year. Damn. And the rest of the days, which is another 100 days left, I was trotting all over the place. So for me, it doesn't matter. If, you know, I'm going to get those poems. I'll, I'll take them with me on the road, mm. and I'll find time. Yeah. So it took another four years, and I had to find a label that would want to uh, back this kind of thing. Nobody wanted. And I said, okay, I'm just going to do it myself. Mm. So I, I found backing, and... And we actually filmed the whole thing, mm. which I have a film of the Im initial meeting I had with Towns, the four-hour show. I have a video of it, which is kind of spooky video because it's not really well filmed. We didn't have a hood in those days. Yeah. <laughs> so it's spooky. It looks like a ghostly thing, which actually is befitting to the story. Yeah. It's kind of ghosty yeah vibe to it, it so goes uh, with towns it goes with towns yeah the ghost of towns it's like that's when a good you, that's a good title you're the ghost of towns yeah or towns yeah. is ghost yeah i like the ghost of towns the ghost of towns it's uh like when you go to the van gogh museum in amsterdam there's like one maybe it's a photo of him and it's like you know in the distance this figure and it's it's kind of cool when there's like when there's all that mystery right. around things and nowadays it, there's no mystery you know, well, but that's fine. You can create mystery. You don't have to. Yeah. Nothing. Things don't have to be literal. Right. You think they do, but they don't. Right. Why? Well, I mean. What do you mean by that? You you own you own the the means to project images yeah. of yourself or your things. Right. And so you can you can create a mysterious vibe vibe about you. Yeah. You don't have to be a. Here, here, that's me this morning. Yeah, yeah. It can be, that's me. <laughs> the shaky picture. I don't know, you can make... Oh, that's true. You can create, if you're really into that. Yeah, I'm not, I don't really care. Exactly. You About do, you me. have Helium G. That's you creating mystery. Uh, and oh, is something it? Something different. Oh, okay. 
<laughs> you do? You create a mystery? Well, I have. There's a character I made up on. You know, it's a guru character that speeds up his voice, and so it's kind of comical. Nice. Called Helium G, Helium Guru. <laughs> I like that. So it's talks in a high voice, yeah. And then you have it on what Instagram? On Instagram, oh, yeah. Nice. I haven't posted any on him, about him lately, but yeah, <laughs> it's just a alter ego. Well, those can, mm. you know, they don't have to. Yeah. They don't disturb your day-to-day -day life, you know, as you go biking through New York City. Nah, exactly. Do you bike with your guitar on your back too? Sometimes. Yeah. Yeah, I've never done that. Do you bike? If I have to, yeah. I used to. Everybody did, you know. Yeah. But I don't. Not not today. I don't. I don't want to. I. I was. I'm afraid it'll. It. 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 Too much tension on my arms. Huh. And I play a lot, so I don't want to. Yeah. I don't want to do anything that will. Interfere. Build too much of a. Muscle. Yeah. Got to have the right. You know. I don't know if I'm right. I'm playing too much anyway. Really. You, can, you play too much? How can you play Lately, too much? I've been playing so many hours. Like really? Hours and hours every day. Pr I wish practicing. I, I wish I was like that. Well, you know, yeah, well, I, I gave myself a challenge. Um, that I, uh, well, are we still with Towns? Yeah, let's keep, let's keep, I mean, yeah, Just we can stay. Just finish the Towns thing. We can you found a label. No, so I did, no, I didn't <laughs> did I find, yeah, actually, you found, you I ended, you found backing no, I found backing, then I found a label, S-Curve Records, with uh, Stevie, Steve, Steve Greenberg, great, great guy. So you found a label that somebody wanted to do it? I funded it. Oh, you funded it. I owned it. the masters, but oh, okay. I, I, I sold the uh, distribution rights, and I got a great, um, I got a great manager to manage me at the time, Danny Goldberg. Uh, I was managed by him. Yeah? Yeah, for a little while. Yeah, I so like Danny. Danny's great. Yeah. So Danny yeah. was managing... We should uh, get Danny on this podcast. Totally. Actually. He's got his own podcast, yeah. you know. Oh, does he? Yeah. Oh, that's cool. But you should get him because he's he's the man. Yeah. No, no, but no, he's... I'm yeah. joking. He's the real intellectual. He's, and he's an interesting He knows cat. music. He loves music. Yeah. Passion. He loves musicians. Yeah. Uh, yeah, we stopped working... And he hates the establishment. We so. stopped working together, but it was like... Copacetic. It was like, hey, let's not work together. Okay, but we're still friends. Like it was like <laughs> yeah, right away. It yeah, was yeah, like might... no, no big deal. You know. Yeah, we also did that. We had a, a spell of a couple of years, and but he was managing Steve Earle. Right. Still you're, is. You're connected with Steve. Well, through Danny. Oh, I didn't know that. But the thing is, when I told Danny what I'm doing, because mm -hmm. Danny knew of me because of you see. And Steve Earle's an obsessive Towns Van Zandt. Absolutely. So fan, the story is that. So. So Danny knows of me because in Israel, I, I'm known, very known in Israel. And I'm also very active on social issues and pro-peace issues and stuff like that. Mm -hmm. And somehow he heard about it, about my stuff. So when he met me, he wanted to find out where I'm up, what I'm up to. Mm -hmm. So obviously my first thing was, hey, I'm, I've just finished. Or I'm not, I, don't, I think it was just, I'm just recording now the Townsend Zandt Project, mm -hmm. which I also filmed. And something something Where happened. Where did you record it? Here in the city. In the city. Oh, okay. Yeah. What studio? It was called Manhattan Beach. Oh, okay. It was owned by uh, a cousin of mine. Uh, great you, studio. I hope you got a bro rate. I probably did. <laughs> friends and family. No, no, no. Totally. Family. Uh, no fam friends. I mean, come on. Family rate. No, totally. I, yeah. I know I did. That's a higher rate. <laughs> I know I did, but it was a great studio. It's an old Neve studio. It was oh, great. great. Old Neve, huh? It was fantastic. Nice. And this, this is 2009. That's and was the album, the nature of the album, solo acoustic singing? No, no. Or did I you, took, you took a band? Yeah, so what happened is I'm, I'm, taking, I'm having a conversation with Danny, and Danny suddenly registers what I'm doing. And this is 
do you have time for lunch tomorrow? <laughs> I say, sure. He wants me to meet Steve Earle. Mm-hmm. And so we meet Steve. And Steve was, n- nobody had heard of these poems. So he was, you know, and I waited eight years. And this is four years later. So it's 12 years. Mm-hmm. Still hasn't heard about it. So he was very, you know, moved by the fact that there are poems. And then how come he didn't get to see him? I, I felt that there was... Jealousy? Not jealousy. It was like, <coughs> I love. There's a, a real love for town. It's out of... And just probably wanting to be involved. Yeah, in any sense. I would, and, I, as a matter of fact, I, had I known, fine. had I known I would have had him involved, maybe write some of these or produce it with well, me. Well, yeah, like great. maybe a collaboration. It would be amazing. Yeah, why anyway, not? That was, so I took a... And why didn't that happen then anyway? I was already in production. Oh, now. you were already And I took in. a guy okay. who's fantastic, G. Smith... You know, oh, G- I know. Yeah, Saturday Night Live. Yeah, band. so G, I asked him to produce it. So he brought in the band, and we did a fantastic. We recorded it and had a fantastic time, and put out a beautiful album. Really beautiful. Very What's intimate. it called? Uh, Night Dawn, the unpublished poetry of Towns Vincent. Beautiful. It's cool. Night Dawn is such a great title. <coughs> it's the title. Yeah, it's a, it's a song. Is that one of his poems? That's yeah. fucking amazing. <laughs> yeah. And I then love, I took G. I, I love that. That's great. And then I took G to play Night Dawn with me. The whole album. What at a the top beautiful of, title. Of Masada in in the desert, uh-huh. in, back in Israel. Wow. So we played from like three in the morning till the sun comes up, and you see Night Dawn. Oh my god. Too good. That's too good, yeah, man. You're I too know. much of a poet. But it's still in the in the in the can. It's still waiting to be edited. So I'm looking to find a. You backer. mean that film? The, or film, the whole yeah. lo- no, the album's out. Oh. The album is out, but I want to put, put the film out of the the process of the making, and, and since we filmed everything, then I filmed everything in Israel. Then we filmed st- stuff at the. Uh, I took G. Smith, and we played the whole album at the Main Street Theater where I met Towns, mm-hmm. and we have the original footage of the Towns and me meeting. Fantastic! It could be beautiful. It's a documentary. Yeah. I got an editor for you. This guy. Yeah, yeah I know. This guy's a genius. I didn't genius. know you had video of all that. And it was yeah, you want to get? You want to? You want to have the eighty hours we have, and you can shuffle through it and see. I mean, I, that's that's he's your busy. mo. You film. He films everything. I film, everything you do. I, didn't I do know film. You, a, it went that far back <laughs> with you. Yeah, I filmed for years. I never did anything with it until we did East Jerusalem, West Jerusalem. But um, anyway, so that was the that was the album. Put it out. Did a few uh, gigs. And uh, I went on and continued with other projects. How long ago did that come out? It's ten ten years ago. Oh, okay. Yeah. So quite a while ago. Yeah. Yeah. Everything is quite a while ago today. Yeah. If it came out yesterday, is it happening? If not, we're doing the next thing. Yeah. So everything is quite a while ago. And stuff that was ten years ago is not quite a while ago. I know. In those I days, just, I was about to just say that everything's quite a while ago, except if it's ten years ago. Exactly. Then it's yesterday again. That's it, exactly. <laughs> no, it's true though. True. It's actually. Yes, yeah. It's weird. Those things that were done so ten years and twenty true. and thirty years ago still stay. Yeah. It's the digital age that we don't know what's yeah. left. What's going to be left of the stuff that's yeah. coming out that's on so a daily basis. Funny. That's a, that's why it's a good thing you're riding on a bicycle. Oh man, I I'm, I'm always moving. It's a bike or it's yoga or it's running. I ran five miles today. Oh, good for you. Yeah, I always I, that's uh, that's how I deal with life. Yeah, me I work out, but, but I, it's also for me it's just a meditation. It's just mm-hmm. it's like for me it's about metacognition and not identifying with thought forms. I mean, if I wake up in the morning, of course I just identify as my thoughts and. I think most people stay in that place all day long, identifying themselves as their thoughts. And it's like, I work hard 
to get out of that. So I put on Ho'oponopono prayer or mantra and I'll go on an hour run and I'll just be in that meditation thing. So I'm like disidentifying with thoughts and sort of identifying as a witness and working that as a muscle. And then I can frame the whole rest of my day like that. And then I come back into identifying as thoughts. But But at least I'm practicing getting out of that every day, like for a significant period of time. So what's your writing process when you write songs? Oh man! Is it a discipline or it's uh... no? It's just it happens no. in no. I really? like I'll go months without writing anything and not caring about. And then it. oh really? And really? then I'll like go in, and then all of a sudden I'll write like forty songs. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? Like what happens if you would do it all year round? I don't know. I'm not four hundred songs. I, I'm not interested <laughs> in it, in doing it all the time. Really? What yeah. do you do? What do you do other than that? Um, I I'm like I work on just like. Uh, you know, a lot of a lot of the things I'm focusing on now is like in, in terms of mental health and like um, overcoming a lot of trauma from uh, um, MPD abuse and thinking about things like that and making videos and stuff like that. And, okay, so you're and creating all the time. Creating all the time, but like also thinking about ways of which I can sort of expand a lot of these things I've learned about in healing. I'm interested in healing. Mm. And like, um, and that kind of thing, as much as I am in music, you know. But then I'm still in love with music and stuff like How that. How long have you but, been performing? Um, I put out, I started, I got signed to Peter Gabriel's label in like 1995. Okay. And so I've been doing it professionally since then, you know, as my primary profession. Yeah, it's a long time. Yeah, a long time. What about you? Longer, I guess. Longer. <laughs> Everything is long. Everything. Uh, so, sh- so shorter, basically. I've been recording for 40-something years, 41 Four, years. Wow. Since I was 22. I'm 63. Wow, okay. Doing it for a long time. Man, music keeps people young, I think, don't you? Like the, yeah, like, it depends on your, how you take care how you take care of yourself. You yeah. Know? But um, you're constantly sharp because mm-hmm. you got to be better than you were yesterday every day yeah and that can kill me too yeah what do you mean no it just makes you constantly challenge yourself and, right and yeah it's interesting that there are times when i think i'm i'm done i can't i can't find any anything that interests me or that any no challenge anymore but that's okay like it's okay to take long breaks yes yeah, so i take a long shower yeah <laughs> cold shower i hope Nah, just no, I don't want to suffer. I'm just. Kidding. I'm already having a hard time, you know, living with the thought that maybe I'm done. You're, you're and not then, done. No, exactly. So it's yeah. a long shower, and then so it's a hot shower. Yeah, whatever it is, <laughs> feel good. We're, I work out every day, so I get that you zone work, that you're yeah, in. Yeah, you're talking about that. Uh-huh. Uh, I call it contemplation. Uh, yeah, it's not okay. a medita- It's not even meditative. It's yeah. a contemplative view. Yeah, it's something I learned very young. And uh, but I like try to definitely pull myself out of my thoughts. Like I, I put on mantras and stuff like that. That's so, cool. so I'm not sitting there thinking incessantly. You know what I mean? Because thinking sometimes is fine. Like thinking in its place is fine. It's You're right. When, Meditation, you can actually... It, you push yourself yeah, put, be, yeah. beyond that. And your mind will buck and kick because it's like, no, I want to be who you think you are. You know? Yeah. But so, but once you just like realize that you can be the witness of the mind, and then the witness of the mind is eternal, 
And so you're already practicing being dead. I, I feel like it's like practicing being dead. <laughs> like, because once I'm dead... Why practice? When you're well, dead, you're dead. Yeah, but once I'm dead, I'll be that all the time anyway. I'll just you be know. consciousness. You so it's know. like... Well, you yeah, know. I don't know, but it's a theory. <laughs> no, I, I'm, it's okay. <laughs> you lost me there. <laughs> you can theorize. It's fun to theorize. Uh, no, no, that's I fine. I'm drifting out of that. <laughs> Are you following this? Yeah, I know. Okay. So, uh... But Joe, you also paint year-round, right? That's something you do all the time. Mm -hmm. you don't I don't do anything all the time, no, though. Okay. No, arts and crafts to me are like, they come in phases. And I, and, and I, I wouldn't like know what to do. Like if I wrote 400 songs, there would just be 400 songs on my laptop then. Because how I, you can, it takes, it's so hard to put out projects. Like I just, I'm just putting out an album now, actually. Just put the first single came out on Spotify today. Oh, nice. Yeah, thank you. Congratulations. Called Comeback World. Um, and uh, it's a 10-song album, and I have another whole album already in the can past that. And then an album with Peter Buck. I'm in a band with him called uh -huh. Arthur Buck. Oh, wow. And that one's done, our second album. So it's like they're already like in line. So like, what am I going to do? Like, I feel like, you know, and I'm writing with this other guy, you know, stuff like that. I write a lot, I guess, mm -hmm. but it's not all the time. And there's our and it's already backed up, <laughs> so it's like imagine if I wrote all the time, it'd be like I hear you. It'd be frustrating. Yeah. So I like spreading it around. You know what I mean? I feel like and I feel like that almost benefits things because then when you come back to projects, there's there's seemingly more energy. To but but them. sometimes when you write, you meet yourself. Let's say you write every day. Mm -hmm. Every day there's an instant that you meet yourself in a junction that you haven't been to before. Yeah. By you, practicing. Meet, you meet yourself to, in a junction that you haven't been before, okay? Yeah, because you're constantly creating. Mm -hmm. By creating, you're bringing out things that did not exist a minute ago. That's true. So those are pointers yeah. that you put, and sometimes, see, if you don't do that, you don't get to that place. That's true. So when you get to that place, it's not necessarily having 400 songs that you've written. Right, you're you right. All these ideas that you can actually yeah. take out and edit into another part and mm -hmm. connect it with another junction. That's true. And then you create the masterpiece or mm. the one piece. Yeah. You understand? That's like... That's true. I, I you know, I did... A, I'm doing... Um, I'm but, in, uh, I would say but to that. Like, sometimes I also think, like, the the some of the best songs happen in these, like, 15-minute, like, boom... 15 seconds fifth, doesn't you know what I mean and like I also yeah. feel like when you're like in other words like going on a run every day is like is all towards that 15 second boom yeah but that 15 second doesn't happen exactly when you want it to happen it's yeah. gotta happen within a a period a moment a time that you're a lot for yeah whatever it is for yeah just chilling out and thinking about the music I, I don't think I don't think when you write you actually sit playing all the time writing yeah yeah it's just uh, focusing focusing on that yeah. moment. I don't know to me it seems like it's a disciplinary thing yeah uh, I don't just sit and suddenly write yeah I, I know I sit seven o'clock in the morning first thing I open my eyes before I get into a workout take out my guitar the first notes that come wow Really, and you play every day like that. When I'm, when I'm, especially when I'm writing, I play every day like that. Uh -huh. Otherwise, I wait until 
I finish my workout, relax myself, and I can like eleven o'clock. I start playing till the end of the day. Really? Yeah. That's incredible. Well, end of the day for me is like dinner. You know, like six. So. Yeah, but still, that's like. Yeah, my I, you know my wife. You're dedicated. My wife is uh, it's funny. She walks out at like nine o'clock to work, and I'm working on a phrase. Da 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 da. Look at that. Da 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 da. And then she comes back at like six and says, "You're still doing it." Still the Yeah, I haven't. I, I don't know where it's headed to. I'm trying to find out where it's going, or I'm trying to perfect it. Or that's incredible. It's crazy. Yeah. And I can understand why people would go into drugs to get away from it, <laughs> because you can't. It chases you. Huh. It's hard to be focused all the time and and conscious. Like, uh, I I sometimes I feel like I'm passing out sometimes as I play because that's wild. But I. But it, it, the benefit is that when I get to play my stuff later, it's it manifests itself in the ability to to project what you've written the piece, but now you've got to perform it, and the performance is that moment. It's not something you can repeat. Every time you you repeat another performance, it's mm. not a machine. Yeah, yeah, I've watched you finger pick, and it's like, yeah, it is some next level. Oh no, type. it's no level. It's just. Well, it is to me. Yeah. It's like I mean, oh, it's like because it, I finger pick, you know, and I've gotten into obsessive finger picking mm -hmm. playing. I, I I've been there exactly, so you but know I don't live there. Like yeah. like you know, but I've been there. I've spent months there, and then I'm like, and then for years, yeah. Yeah, but like when I watched you finger pick, I was just like, "Oh my god!" <laughs> like his whole his whole thing, he went beyond, like Neo in the Matrix. All of a sudden, uh -huh. when he can like <laughs> dodge bullets, that's your finger picking. Yeah, like probably. like you're Neo in the I Matrix think, with I've, that I've, shit. It's I've like dodge like, bullets while playing. Yeah, <laughs> I really did. Yeah. Oh, when you played for troops. Yeah, when you play in the front lines. Wow. You dodge bullets. When did you do that? Oh, all the time. You go back and forth from it. And whenever I live in Israel, so yeah, full time. Part of the time. Or part well, time. you know, I'm ten days a month in Israel. Mm -hmm. As a rule, I perform there, and then I travel the world. I come here was me and my wife. We have our home based in New York, really. Yeah. Um, Where in New York? In I Tribeca. Mean, you know, oh, really cool! I yeah. box down there. Yeah. At Trinity. Where is that? On uh, where's it? Where's it? Dwayne. Dwayne. That's really? right. Two right, across, oh, right, right, right across the street from A. I know exactly where it is. Yeah, I love that place. Wow, that place saved my life. I know it. I've never been inside. <laughs> it's great. It's, it's at the basement there, no? Well, it's it? ground, ground, ground ground level. level. Yeah. But uh, I, I mean, I don't know how you would feel about boxing because of your hands. No, I've done a lot of but in I, the past. It's an amazing you workout. Should, you should come in there. You would have fun. Yeah? Oh, man. If I, you, I did it back in the 90s. It's very similar to I stopped. playing guitar in terms of just the... Yeah, you don't box to kill somebody. You just box to... to the, the, the sweet the science. Art. The sweet science. The martial yeah. art of it, yeah. The martial art, exactly. I and just that, that re repetition. I love that. You know? Yeah, you would love it. You should. Uh, I'll introduce you to them. Give, yeah. I'm sure they'll give you some kind of discount. Maybe I will. <laughs> Man, come on, you should. It's fun. I'm trying to get Ehud to come in and do it. He would love Eventually, it. I'll Look at it. that guy. I mean, he doesn't need any discount. Give him the discount. He doesn't have to come though. Yeah, <laughs> that's the discount. That's the discount. Yeah. Yeah, we'll introduce you, but you don't have to come. Discount. I'll discount. Yeah. <laughs> 
I'll, I'll pay it. It just won't show up. Exactly. That's the discount. Yeah. <laughs> Since you're not showing up, we'll take less. We'll give you a 20% discount. You don't have to come. For the days you're not there. Yeah. yeah. Um, so, can you go back to the Israel and the troops? Playing yeah, and you troops? were about to say something else, too, like 10 minutes ago when I cut you off, but you probably don't remember, or do you? 10 minutes ago? Yeah, 10 minutes ago. All right, well, then we'll just go with Israel. And you cut me off. Or whatever, I veered the subject. No, no, I say, second. you know, we dodge bullets. You said I'm playing as if I, like, um, you're dodging bullets, and I say I've, I've dodged bullets. Just because it's interesting. Um, I, I, at some point, it was back uh, in the late 90s, beginning of 2000, I was living in Spain. and uh, Where in Spain? In Madrid. Okay. And uh, I was I was recording. I speak Spanish too because I I spent my teenage years there as a kid. Uh-huh. So I went back to get back in touch with How the language. How many languages do you speak? Three, three that I can actually like we converse now. Yeah. So that's amazing. Um, so I went back to to connect again with the with the um, the culture and the language and and I started performing a lot. And you know how we we develop our our. Our um, stage act and our performance as we go. You can learn from teachers. You can, you can learn. You can you can be an actor or whatever. But until you stand in front of an audience, you don't know who you are actually as an actor. You don't know what you got to give. And same as a singer songwriter. Mm. You stand in front of an audience, and suddenly the persona comes out because you got to communicate with all these people. Yeah. And you got to tell and your the story. The pressure galvanizes you it's into the con- It's the f- it's that people freak out from it but it's actually a concentrative moment where mm-hmm. you are 100% committed to your art yeah. and if you're great at it then people react in the same way it doesn't mean it's not commercial I'm talking about performing and so I've, I've started my whole career in Israel and the culture of Israel is a culture of uh, you know sometimes it's uh, you're living in a war zone and sometimes you're living in times of peace but very rarely Mm-hmm. So that you're constantly challenged your your ability to to relax and to find ways of uh, of uh, avoiding falling into the into those harsh moments of intense news that keep on coming up. And you know we have news bulletins, we have bulletins every hour, but right. also every half hour there's bulletins <laughs> just yeah. in case you missed the the bad news half an hour ago. We'll just give it to you in just headlines. Mm-hmm. So people are constantly. And constantly listening to the radio, so people till today are constantly in, they don't understand it, but they're very high tension. <coughs> so when you get on stage and perform for an audience, back then when I started my career, there was because I come from a more like Spanish guitar, I can chill out and play, but people won't listen because they're so charged, there's so there's so much tension in the air that they walk in to see a theater. You gotta give, punch them right as you walk on stage and get them, knock them out, have them like focus on you for two hours or an hour and a half. Make sure they're with you so they don't have any of the thoughts that preoccupy them all day. And by the time the show is done, you take a bow, you leave, and they walk out saying, wow, we were just disconnected from everything for an hour and a half or two hours, and this guy actually mesmerized us and captivated us. Mm-hmm. That's the intention. So you walk in, I walk in as if I'm the one who's holding the machine gun. I'm like, I'm actually pressing on the trigger. 
And I'd walk on stage, I remember in Spain, and do the same show as I always do. I shoot all my bullets in the first round, and then I reload and start shooting again. That's how I look at it. And I remember sitting with a critic, and one day we're having lunch, and he says, it's a very well-known Spanish critic, and he says to me, let me ask you, though, something. After a day's work, I come to see your show. It's like 8 o'clock at night. I've just finished, had a few drinks, maybe some dinner. I want to relax and see your show. And the next thing I know is I'm almost getting a heart attack. Why? Mm. And it, it just it dawned on me that the culture that I'm coming from doesn't necessarily communicate with other cultures. Interesting. Because these people want to come and relax and chill out and have a good time. And I'm walking thinking I've got to shake them first to get them concentrated and forget about the world. Huh. So I walk in with all my... I play hard, I bang, I play fast, I play... Dynamics are really high, then really low. Like I can bring... I can explode in a second later and be in a complete mellow mode mm. where they can actually listen to their thoughts and to their hearts. And it doesn't fit everybody. That's those guys from the Middle East. I, I told them to come. <laughs> I'm dodging them, the bullets. I'm telling you. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It makes dodging. me think of like like the songs of war and songs of love. Like yeah, the Spanish. Yeah, the exactly. Spaniards want songs of love, <laughs> and yeah. where you're from, then you need songs of war. Well, we don't want to talk about it, but not, we, not, we get it. We but, get it. But that energy. Yeah. That energy. That, so I've tried to. I've tried to. Yeah. I've tried to tone it down but it seemed late because i was already doing it for like 20 years <laughs> how do you reteach yourself yeah um no i'm less i'm, I'm intense i guess but not so so hard i can be a yeah, lot softer. that dial of intensity is something i've grappled with myself in a very different realm than you but on a on a personal level just that like um yeah that intensity like the just the dial of being super laid back versus being super like intense and like I, I I've been like I, I remember John Bryan one time told me like he said oh yeah I think you would be more effective if you dialed it back a notch you know and he's like a genius producer musician mm -hmm. so I did listen to him and I, I did think about what he said years years even later you know and and I understood what he meant. Yeah, but you know, I, I, I used to approach it in this very like, ah, like you know. Um, and yeah, but I, you know, I actually play under fire, so I go to the front lines. Yeah, um, I get sent out, or I volunteer to go, just because mm. I think, as much as I'm a peacenik, and and obviously I'm, I I promote, you know. Uh, the the I, I promote the idea not the idea i promote the reality that i i wish for which is that israelis and palestinians would actually put their guns down and mm. learn to live together and i believe there is a way of doing it but with I all hope, of that i hope so yeah but with all of that there's in the meantime there's a lot of difficult moments so you have wars yeah. you have the lebanon war then the second lebanon war and the in between the wars and and people who are living in the front lines are under such duress and yeah. stress they can't live a normal life. So you gotta go up there and entertain them in bomb shelters or when you're entertaining troops out in the field, literally, literally within firing a range of fire. So um fire range. So you gotta find a way also to captivate through the through your art their their attention. Yeah. And uh, give them a heart their heart a, a massage to soften them up a little bit because people get really tough and they they forget about humanity. 
uh, yeah. in, in those situations. So you got to bring it in. So I've, that that has basically been a side of me that has constantly kept me, uh, I guess, helped mold my personality on stage in, in what, many ways. In what kind of way? Like, does it, so in, when you're playing in front lines, would you be, would you be more tending to like you said you would need to remind them oh of i constantly do humanity. this you know oh it's you more that. that yeah it's like lenny bruce walking on stage and he's got to drop a bomb the first line he says you know yeah because he might get arrested by the next one and what's that like playing <laughs> in playing in the fr front lines like that i i guess i have the ability to shut off the the where i'm at yeah and the fact that you're smelling napalm in the morning right or smelling you know the the, the or having being surrounded by military do you feel like is it faith that makes you able to be brave enough to do stuff like that? i don't look at it as brave i think it's a it's the it's the necessity to be there well, with well, others and see look if you're going to go through this i'm going to go through this with you mm -hmm. it's a camaraderie it's a brotherhood it's a humanity i mean it's the same as going into jails and performing in front of you know people who are behind bars out of you out of you out of some kind of a a little bit of a compassion to the to the human nature that can be evil mm. and not all of, it, all of it is bad yeah and uh it's part of me i guess just wanting to be there as a helping hand and and you know i i live in a country i grew up in a country although my philosophy may be different than most of the people in my country um i believe that i have a place there and i need to fight for it um and i want to change it so to change some of the reality so you got to be part of it on both sides. You got to be you got to be able to meet the people who don't who are not with you on the same thoughts but are are going through the same reality as you and you know hold their hand for a second and tell them listen we're in this together. Whether you like what I'm saying or whether you like the way I'm thinking the way at the end of the day we're going to sing the same song, you know? Mm -hmm. And we're going to relax and we're going to hope to have the same uh reality in which to live. Uh, so you got to be part of it. You can't just dictate your thoughts i think have you, has anything um scary ever happened when you've been in that situation in oh, terms lots. of like uh like uh, you know near bombs going yeah. off or things like this or like mm -hmm. a lot of it a lot of it it's funny it's not funny it's sad <laughs> it's bizarre because yeah i that my first war was in 1982 in lebanon where israel attacked and went straight in all the way up to the north of Lebanon, almost reaching Damascus on the Syrian side. And I remember going in for like 90 days. 90 days? I, that was short. Once uh, there are people who were there for years. Some soldiers and people were called in and served there for two years, three years. I was there for 90, I was already a reserve. I had children at home. I was already past my military service. I remember going in with an Israeli poet who, Jonathan Geffen, my friend, who's very, very left. We're all very left. And, um, you know, we were, he, he was the Lenny Bruce of Israel, still is. And so we would do our show. Uh, with us was another guitarist, Yuda Edel, who was a rock and roll guitarist. And me and my Spanish guitar. And we'd do our act. And it was rough. It was bad. It was talk about smell of napalm in the morning you know this is not uh, a movie mm. this is a line from real life and you smell it and you feel it and you see the the the, the horrors of war and and everybody's in it you see civilians you see 
the other army that you're fighting and you you everybody's human and it's so sad and you you what i realized then i f- I, I went into what's called a, a post trauma uh like shell shocked stress disorder yeah and i didn't know it yeah i lived with that for god knows how many years from 1982 to 2006 oh only in the god. second really? Lebanon, only the second Lebanon horrible war, man when, when i went into the war and the first bomb fell on us did the did everything come to life like i was able to put it like bury it you know that first uh that first experience of 90 days in front lines i was able to bury it but when the, f- the second war uh, that i was thrown into came about and i went into and, and an actual bomb fell right near us and it all exp- like my insides just let go and then i realized <laughs> I'm 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 holding back something that's really serious. Mm. But uh thank God I was already in some kind of a therapy so I was able to talk about it. Maybe it that's how you also like focus on guitar so much maybe that's You don't understand. It's unreal. Yeah. I mean you focus like they can shoot you they ain't gonna touch you. Right. You're like a you become a martial artist. You become yeah. you become a Rambo. Yeah. They sh- they shoot at you and you just ain't gonna get you that i remember one night i was playing it's funny i don't know i don't know who's gonna listen to this but i remember one night i was playing in 82 (laughs) and i was playing we're playing in this kibbutz up in the north and the and the and the we were in israel and a a lot of rockets were flying and that's before they went into lebanon bombs that's called katusha rockets that the eight they shoot eight at a time and when you're shooting multiples it could be 30 40 50 rockets at the same time you only hear them when they pass you. You hear the a whistle. You hear it. It's like chill. It chills your your blood. Mm. But when you hear it, you know it's already passed. You don't hear them coming. So in the night, you don't hear it coming. So I remember I'm playing. I'm playing for these in the kibbutz, and I came to give a good time to some guys who were in the bomb shelters. But they decided to brave it out, and we'll sit out on the grass. So we sit on the grass and we play all night. We're having vodka, we're drinking, we're having a great time, screaming mm-hmm. our hearts out, every, like maybe a group of 30 people. And every time we hear a, a chilling sound of a rocket, I get up to run and this guy puts me down. He says, keep playing, it's already past us. That's funny. And I'm thinking, <laughs> okay. And he says, every bullet has a name. Yours is not on these. Now, this guy's a very well-known fighter. He's like a Purple Heart in Israel. You uh-huh. know, really, very well. Like, we, I know all his stories, or some of them. Some I, I will never know. Big guy, huge. And every time I, I'm, I'm like, sit down, keep playing. That's what you're here for. And I'm playing, and I think, okay. And at 5 o'clock in the morning, he says, all right, guys, let's go to sleep. Okay. We get up. We get into the bomb shelter. I'm not telling, we're not counting three. Like, walk in, one, two, a huge explosion. Right. Right where you were? We were looking exactly where we were. Jeez. Like, a crater, a crater, a crater. And this guy's house went down. With He had 3,000 records, you know, everything demolished. Like, woo. I look at him and he says, that one had your name on it. Wow. <laughs> That's crazy. It chills me even now when I think of it. But, you know, we did it. 
And the next night, I remember we went to some other town, Kiryat Shmona, and I was playing. We're actually, I wasn't playing, we are ordering a pizza. And suddenly I hear the that thing, the bombs. And everybody's running. And I'm just eating. I learned. Mm. <laughs> the whistle is a good sign. That... <laughs> The bomb with my name already went off. I learned it ain't coming for me. But it went down like 150 yards, not so far. That's funny. So we're just eating. Oh, another bomb. You become nonchalant. You become... Yeah. You just walk in, like, in the face of death, you say. Yeah. It ain't me. There's got to be something liberating about being that... I, I want to say badass, you know, like just... Of, of overcoming that kind of uh, proximity to death or, you know, like there's something about that that um, must feel liberating, I would imagine. I don't know about liberating. You know, we're artists, so we're, the yeah. way we see life, I think, is a little bit through a prism of another way of looking at everything. We translate things in a completely different way. Yeah. What, uh, do you mean, what do you mean by that? We're creative in every level. Yeah, you never stop being creative, and other yeah. people are more pragmatic. It's like, oh, a bomb went off. We got to fix it up. Now we got to redo that. And I'm thinking, we'll fix, but what about the soul? What about the heart? What about the people? Which is the same reason why I insist on working on projects which are uh, uh, to educate for coexistence and oh. for conflict resolution. This is, takes me exactly the opposite way. Yeah, it takes me. You know, where's the compassion? Where's what about the other side? You know, we're all, we're all fighting, but we got to live here, you know? What, what keeps coming up for me as I'm listening to you is uh, Dr. Joe Dispenza's work. Uh, do you know who he is? No. He well, he's, uh, wrote this book called You Are the Placebo, but um, it's all about sort of self-healing and, and manifesting and this kind of thing. Uh, it's real fascinating, interesting stuff. You can see his lectures on YouTube and okay. all that stuff. It's really check it worth out. checking out. Mm -hmm. But he uh, has uh, this area where he talks about um, different levels of motivation and, uh -huh. and, and the power. There's power in, in the different levels of motivation. And the most powerful form of motivation is purpose-driven motivation. And that sounds like what you are angling your life out of enti totally. entirely and like so, and and you know the other then there's like the uh sort of even like yeah there's purpose-driven motivation is at the apex and there's like the weakest one is like money-driven motivation <laughs> and the, and it's not judging it's just like levels you know, levels of mm -hmm. it but yeah you seem to have your whole life based on purpose-driven motivation. totally i don't think otherwise i'd I'd continue doing what i'm doing well, nobody would do what you've described doing if they w weren't purpose right driven right yeah. and, and and it doesn't matter what you're doing I think the important thing in life is to give people that purpose mm. oh yeah help them discover their own purpose that's Absolutely. a huge that's a huge purpose that's, that's the purpose that's exactly what this guy doesn't want you to do <laughs> I think he reminds me he reminds you that you gotta do it right. because otherwise you're gonna end up like him yeah exactly <laughs> I don't think these things are negative these things the negatives have to create the positive that's true so, yeah the yin and the yang or whatever totally I mean yeah. that's what walls are about that's if you're gonna run, if you're gonna keep running straight, you're gonna run straight into a wall. Yeah. Don't you think you should stop? Maybe walk around, find the door. Yeah. This is what they're for. It's like yeah, 
find the form in which you can and and in the world that you live you know mm-hmm. um so i you know I do have a project that I've been working on uh in the last two years it's uh and it comes about as a result of my other work you know things in it's a process in life mm. so uh yeah one leads to the next to the so next. The, the the ultimate project we're talking about the purpose is called one million guitars that's what I was going to ask you yeah. about that's incredible it's a beautiful project that just came about mm uh not coincidentally at all but as as a as i guess a way of the next level mm-hmm. um as i've been working um the, for the past 20 years since 1999 been working in east jerusalem which is the palestinian part of his, of jerusalem mm-hmm. and uh i be, i met there an incredible group of musicians uh the the actual the most prominent palestinian musicians um who invented the modern Palestinian music because mm. until now mu- until recently music uh, in the Arab world was mostly passed on from one generation to the next and written in a more classical way a traditional way they have reached out to the more modern way of storytelling and talking about issues that are hurting them now or that they aspire to live to to tell um anyway the, the, their name is Sabrine that's the group so we met and we and we become really close friends the result of which is that they have a recording studio in East Jerusalem mm-hmm. and I decided to start bringing my recording projects to that studio uh it's an area that Israelis are reluctant to to spend time in even though East Jerusalem was annexed by the Israeli government and that's what you were talking about on your TED talk too right correct yeah that whole I was trying to explain it a that, little bit yeah you explained it yeah the in the wives Gave, yeah, the wife. Yeah, the wife gave you problems. Uh, that's like there's always a reason why <laughs> people need to have an excuse why they're not going to go to the front line or they're not going to go to a, a an area which to them seems Listen, dangerous. They I don't want to. They don't want to admit that they're afraid. I'd come to you, come with you to the front line, but <laughs> <laughs> yeah, listen, my wife. But yeah. it's my wife. It's my, <laughs> it's it's my, my wife. <laughs> <laughs> Fucking hysterical, dude. Anyway. Well, I didn't think it was hysterical when I heard it because right. I realized it was a real problem. <laughs> I really have to deal with that meaning it. And it's the kids and it's my mm. mother-in-law. Just bring the whole family. So I yeah. did. They brought the whole families and, and I took an to, entire hotel. You had to take out a hotel. That's insane. Yes. It's beautiful. But how we also afford, fed how everybody. How do you afford that? Who is... does? When you look at the bills, yeah. 80% of my bills are food and, and uh, probably yeah. hotel rooms. But... The twenty percent, which is just like an an iceberg, that's what you get to see. That's the music, yeah, the music in the film. so but as a result of my we're talking about East Jerusalem, West Jerusalem, right this, uh, this album I made which I brought Steve, Steve Earl to Earl, produce, which is phenomenal that he was like, okay, I'll come produce totally. It. Before you even had a budget, that's great. I I didn't even know if I'll have a budget. I'm thinking, okay, he's on my li- a list, and that was so <clears throat> that that's like a sort of further manifestation also. Thanks to Danny Goldberg totally. introducing you to he, Steve Earle. He, he's the one who brought it up. He and said, why don't you call Steve? I said, but he probably wouldn't, he's probably too radical. He would like take it the wrong way, like boycott it, you know, if anything. Right. And he says, well, we'll call him. Yeah. <laughs> I said, okay. That's one way to find out. And, uh, it's, it's and not only did he come and offer himself, he fell into it wholeheartedly. Yeah. And as as I have seen him say before in the last few years <coughs> since then he says it's one of the most meaningful experiences he's ever had mm. so I'm thank I'm, I'm I'm so happy that it, it 
gave him something, you know. But mm. it gave us the ability, it gave me the ability to put the project together with somebody who was objective and wasn't like me, you know, all day long in the stories and the difficulties and the differences between the Israelis and Palestinians, having to constantly be the uh, the um, uh, negotiator with myself. Yeah, he was the one there, and because he didn't think there was any need for negotiation, you play the guitar, you play the bass, you gotta do this, you just do it. Yeah. yeah. Yeah, but he's Palestinian. He's not. I don't understand what you're talking about. Can you play? Yeah. One, two, three. Go, run. That's brilliant. That's it. That's brilliant. No questions that's asked. Bringing the, you know, practice. It's un- just practical. Unification. I don't yeah, know. it's just being practical. Yeah. And so we created this beautiful project. And during the recordings in East Jerusalem, which took eight days, and um, well, I, I allotted eight days for it. I uh, didn't want it to be three weeks. It would be crazy. Um, so I went for in, in and I brought Israeli and Palestinian chefs to cook for n- every night a feast, like a banquet. And we, and we were 40 people on, on board, but I allowed for 60 people to be invited. Everybody could invite their friends, Palestinians, Israelis, come and enjoy with us a night's meal after a day's work in the studio. And it's all in the studio, which looks almost like the barn where Jesus was born in Bethlehem. It looks like, mm-hmm. like a stable. It doesn't look like us. You know, it's not a... West End, London West End, uh, you know, Abbey Road or Manhattan Beach in New York City. (laughs) uh, But it's beautiful, the most beautiful, beautiful location and studio and setting. um, Was it Pro Tools or what did you guys record on? No Tools. No Tools. (laughs) I mean, you had to record on something. Uh, Maybe it was a Cubase, I think. Uh, Okay. Uh, But, but, but. (laughs) Come on, there had to be some recording device. No, (laughs) no, no. no. They have a a Just singing straight to God. As a matter of fact. (laughs) God's the only one that's heard the record. This is Jerusalem. That's the place to do it if you're going to go straight to God. (laughs) Yeah, man. Shortest route. Totally. Oh, That's man. why nobody heard it. Only God. <laughs> Only God, and he's supposed to sing it to everybody else. No, he is. But what actually what happened is, that, and, and as a matter of fact, as we speak, I'm trying to raise money to to update the studio because we need to get this, keep the studio going. So I'm going around seeing who you know, looking for donations and people who will, who are interested in seeing this Danny manifest Goldberg. itself. Danny Goldberg. Come on, Danny. Yeah, I didn't call Chip him. In. <laughs> so, but what we did on that, on those uh, recordings, was is besides what the normal equipment was there, I rent, I rented first like Neves and all stuff, you know, a lot of stuff into the studio. I want to ask how you're affording all this, but I don't because know. I ra- I do fundraising. You know, oh, I you go, fundraise I, always. Oh, so it's like with pledge music or something. No, no, like no. That, actually, phone calls. Phone calls. Huh. Yeah, I go to people who I think would be interested in. And like to see this kind of a project. I've done. I've done a uh, Kickstarter. I was the first actual yeah. real artist to do a Kickstarter project. Interesting. Yeah, so many years ago, 2010. Which is just yesterday. But, uh, yesterday. So, but, uh, so no. So the, I'm so talking about the million guitars. Yeah, you fun. Oh, okay. So yeah. what happens is that we we do. I'm I'm filming this thing. The eight days in the studio. Mm-hmm. And um, and at late at night when everybody's gone, the, the cameramen are gone, the musicians have eaten, everybody's had a great time. It's midnight. I ask, uh, there's a Palestinian rapper. His name is Muhammad Mugrabi. And he has a band called G-Town. Uh, and they live in a refugee camp, which is in East Jerusalem. It's mm-hmm. called Shafat Refugee Camp. And I ask him, maybe we can go. It's like midnight. I'm still up, you know. I'll be. Uh, I don't have to be in the studio before eleven in the morning. Can we go visit the camp? I said sure. He'd love that, and he beams like you're interested in coming visiting my place. I said sure. So we go to this 
refugee camp. Mm-hmm. And I go two or three times during the actual sessions at night. And we also film it. And at one of those me- times, uh, there's a guy in the, in, the, in the camp who was a political prisoner, Palestinian prisoner, and yet maintains some kind of a philosophy of, of coexistence and w- believes that animosities have to, be, have to come to an end at some point. Mm. And he asked me if I'd be interested in coming sometime after I'm done with the project and meeting with the young kids in the camp. I said, I'd love to. So you got to understand, this camp can hold five to 10,000 people, but it, it holds 80,000 people. So needless to say, it's crammed, and it's unsanitary, and it's horrible living conditions. So I'm extremely curious in meeting these kids. So we, this is January, so okay, April come, it'll be warmer, I'll come. And I come and meet the first kids, 50 kids, and they prepare a beautiful welcome ceremony for me they sing for me they dance for me these are kids from 5 to 15 year olds and I decided to take on this group and create workshops for them to keep them off the streets and I'm given this grounds uh, this building by the actually which is owned by the PLO uh, the Palestinian Authority and we're allowed to use that as, as a place of meeting and we come you know, every two weeks every three weeks once a month I organize these meetings and we start playing and this is part of the film. Now, I, I put the film out, East Jerusalem, West Jerusalem. It's on Netflix. A lot of people get to see it. I don't know who they are. Everywhere I go, uh, I get to meet a, a few people who you know, have happened to stumble on the film, see it, and it touched them. And, we're, and I'm here in New York City, and during a, during a Women's March in uh, 2017, right when Trump took... Uh, office mm-hmm. the global mi- m- million march women's march but right. we did new york city everybody's screaming and doing things suddenly some guy calls me and s- calls out from the crowd and says broza yeah. did you start giving guitars out to the kids mm. i don't know what he's talking about i said giving guitars out anyway before i know it he gets closer he says look i saw your film you should give guitars out to the kids i said nice idea but how would i do that Mm. said I don't know let's talk you you probably know how to do it and we start talking and we create a foundation and he says let's call it one million guitars so I design a guitar and I raise money for it and I start manufacturing and I I'm, I'm then uh, brought to Viacom and Paramount who, who buy the first thousand guitars and they say We'll connect you with organizations that are, are teaching, but they don't have instruments around the country. And before I know it, I'm in 3,300 schools in the country in 43 states in the United That's States. That's incredible. And we're giving out guitars. I love the way the guy said, too, like, like as a matter of fact, have you started doing this yet? Like, he, he, like, like he sees me giving a workshop to the kids, and he thinks, don't do I, that. Give him guitars. I, I love that. And I, and I, I just want to ask, like, how are you raising the money to, to do this just because, like, for those of us that also want to like follow in your footsteps, like well, how do, how do we do it? Well, you gotta like who do you call? You who manifest do manifest it? Yeah, who do you call? You everybody knows, you know. Pe- we all know people. We all know people, and uh, we have to first of all, as, as 
Most of those people closest, won't, won't the, take my calls anymore, though. Just, what if you did? I'm just kidding. What if you did? I'm just joking. No. But you went straight to Viacom and Paramount. Those are big names. Well, no, that, but that's not my connection. I have a friend who knows a friend who right. knows a friend. And they, it, is, and, it is true, though. Like, you start something, and then it, the way it evolves and develops is, is wild because it can never, like, in your mind when you start something, it can never just all of a sudden be the flower that it's going to become. It, it, it's a it, long it takes process. It's a long process, but it's amazing to so watch I'm, it So I remember my, my wife, who's been with me for a long time now, when I was and doing your wife's t- name is what? Neely. Neely Lotan. And she's a She's a fashion, fashion. Amazing fashion designer. Fashion yeah, based designer. in New York City. What, what? Shout out to Neely. <laughs> yeah, shout out hey, to Neely. Neely. <laughs> so cool. Yeah. But she, she, I remember every time I'm in, I have a new project, like mm-hmm. the Towns project, or the Kickstarter project, mm-hmm. or the East Jerusalem project. Now yeah. it's the Million Guitars project. This is all that's on my mind. Right. Like we sit in a dinner, we have a conversation with a bunch of friends, everybody's yeah. happy. Suddenly I say, hey, I got this project. Everybody puts their forks right. down, and now they got to listen to my five-minute pitch. It's like neuro-linguistics programming. It's like, it's like focusing your mental energy. It becomes your mantra. It's like, yeah, if you can do that, you can manifest anything. And, and, and so you, do and, it, you don't do it obsessively. Yeah. You do it with passion yeah. because this is happening. And I can right. pull out now out of the phone and show you photographs of kids in, in Arizona, kids in Wisconsin, kids mm-hmm. in, in the Bronx holding these guitars. You tell me if that doesn't bring a, a smile to your face. Yeah, that's beautiful. Seeing that kid who has nothing, underprivileged kids, suddenly holding guitars that they will own if they come to classes for two years. They will own the guitar forever. Yeah. So, so, so that the, gives a child a purpose. That goes back to our conversation. motivation. Absolutely. For the people that don't, like, just to explain, if, if the kid sticks with the program, they get to keep the guitar. For which two is, years. Which is amazing, too. Because, He's fourth grader. Because you're, you're free. Because also then the kid also feels like they haven't been given a handout. They've earned something, which is another Absolutely. huge... Huge uh, boost That's to their self That's a boost and achievement. Like, they own it. They've achieved something, which is fantastic. Yeah, absolutely. That you're providing that opportunity for them. Anything I mean, special about these guitars? Yeah, the guitars are... I wish I, I should have brought one. Uh, the guitar is... The neck is made... It it's exa- looks exactly like my guitar. I love that guitar, by the way. This is, a, this is a top-notch guitar, though, which I kill every day. But it's a, a beautiful grand classical, Spanish handmade. But I copied this guitar, and we also got some tips from the guitar luthier who built it, who's dead now, but he built the, this one on some of the structure inside. And we have a manufacturer in China who get, got our specifications. And the neck, which on this guitar is very wide, I made narrower. So it's easy for so an eight-year-old eight yeah. to hold the guitar. And... Uh, and that's it. That's the, the special thing is the neck and the durability of the guitar. Unlike cheap guitars, which get to break really quickly, this one is made sustainable. So it can actually withstand if it falls. It won't break so easily and it lasts. Yeah. This, is, this is a special one. This is a... But I, what's, what's the deal with that one with the pickguard thing, like the weird cutout well, thing? Well, like I started that? with a small pickguard. Yeah. And then I realized that I'm playing, and suddenly, I, even through the pickguard, I have a hole now. But I started seeing that I'm uh. playing beyond the pickguard. So I went to uh, I went to a guy, uh, Roger Sadowski, builds guitars, and he said, "Look, I'm going to Germany. I'll find you a pickguard, and I'll 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 create one for you." 
and he and then he said, "Bring me the guitar." I brought him the guitar, and he started making these pickguards for me. But then I realized that I <laughs> that I started playing here, so I'm, so I'm, I'm using the guitar because I'm very I use very percussive sounds in the guitar. Uh -huh. So I'll play, uh, you know, I'll play in the whereas I. Uh, And then I go. Yeah, play, play oh, some, yeah. play a little. Play though? Yeah, why not? Play some of the, uh, your <coughs> instrumental stuff. Instrumental. Whoa. Well, instrumental is going to be hard for this. I just uh, forget I said that. <laughs> <laughs> just point the mic down just a little bit. Yeah. No. Um, Here's the same face I see out in California Same face in Jericho Here's the same face I see down in Mexico Same face in Tel Aviv Here's the same face I see out in New Jersey So many places All share the same faces East Jerusalem Where's Jerusalem? Shalom Salam Same face in the high is the same face out in Nevada. Same face in the blues is the same face out in New Orleans. Singing the blues. Same face in London town. Same face out in Kingston town. So many places all share the same faces. East Jerusalem. Oh, 
beautiful. That I wrote with Wycliffe John, actually. Oh, man. I can, I, can, I can hear that. Huh? How did you involve well, him? Well, Wycliffe heard me play somewhere and decided he wanted me to come and record with him. So I, I'd come to his studios and we'd record, uh, he'd record all my, <coughs> all these things, you know, all these sounds. How do you and do then that? He, What's that? Just with my nails. Dude, it's a po- you're a powerhouse, man. Just being around just, that intensity coming just in. Trying to, just trying to avoid the bullets. <laughs> you are the bullet. You've become the bullets. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so when you tour, is that just your only guitar that you take, or do you yeah. take a backup? One guitar. No backup. It's a problem, because sometimes something can happen. That's what I'm, I'm asking about. I don't know. I... But you just want to do the one guitar. I don't want to carry more than that. It's I don't either. I want to be brave enough to just take one guitar. So why don't Fuck you? It. I'm gonna. You're, that's why I'm. <laughs> I'm getting lessons here. There was another question I had for you last night, and it's driving me nuts. Cause Bring I can't, the mic a little closer. David. That's why I was looking at the notes. But that guitar like, looks beat up. Like no, it looks awesome. Actually. Well, it's it a beautiful, beautiful guitar. Yeah, well, well the Willie Nelson so thing too. It's right. like got that big hole in it. Yeah. You know, and and you like the nylon string. Do you? Uh, the the other trippy part about that is to change a nylon string in the middle of a concert. That doesn't happen much. Yeah, but I mean that's actually time consuming. No, it takes no? It takes five seconds. You're thirty seconds. Thirty seconds. Maybe. Okay. But I've, it's so funny because I change much. every day. That's fine. I oh, change, and every show I change. You change all the strings every day. Yeah. Jeez. Sometimes I change only the three You're, lower ones. But most Just of the time, the I play, three I change. lower ones. Yeah, that doesn't even make they, sense. Well, because these these are wound, by, by you know the the wound strings. That's nylon, but wound by uh, by some kind of some kind of a metal, um, by wire. But and so they they tend to to break faster, especially the D D one. That's these can last longer. But uh, I do change them, and it's funny. I they used to there are times when I do three or four shows a night. So I remember there was one I insisted on changing the strings, but I had to get to one from one show to the next in, with a helicopter, and it was nighttime and there was definitely no space, no light in the helicopter and no space, and I had to do it basically like with my eyes closed, like literally in a get them in, change the strings but <laughs> during the this forty-five guy. minute flight until we got what, to the parachute into the show and like, <laughs> with your fucking guitar. I mean, this, what, you just need a cape, dude. <laughs> no, that's that's oh, unreal. Have you, you only use nylon, right? Is yeah. that the Spanish guitar thing? It's well, the Spanish guitar is nylon string. Okay. Then American guitar is a steel string, uh, country stuff. Mm-hmm. And then you have electric guitars. But this is the Spanish guitar. <coughs> Which brings me to my now my, the album I'm recording now is an all instrumental album. Spanish instrumental. Which I've never done that before. Just instrumental. Yeah, whatever. I, I, I never thought of myself as a guitarist. I'm an accompanist. But then this what do you record mean? label. What do you mean accompanist? I accompany myself, right? Oh, I, I don't. See. I don't play. Inst- yeah, but you're like a badass guitar player. I mean, you can see that, right? <laughs> I mean, do it. <laughs> you know. But I've never, I've never, nobody's you know, ever hired me as well, a guitar. It's like what Charles Bukowski says. It's not that I'm that good. It's that everybody else is so bad. No, I wouldn't say that. Charles <laughs> No, but Bukowski. Charles Bukowski was a punk. But like, I, I'm saying like, 
come on, man. You've seen other guitar players. Not everybody's jamming on guitar. But nobody, like you. not everybody wants to be like. Not everybody needs that kind of um... excellence. You, and Paco is a big inspiration for you, Paco, right? Paco is an inspiration. I can't even believe what an incredible guitarist this guy was. Mm-hmm. Once. Once in a million years, mm. not one in a million, once in a million years, somebody like yeah. that appears. He he transformed the way the guitar, Spanish guitar, gets played. Right. And uh, how so? First of all, his the first of all his his positioning physically. I play. Sp- I don't play like this. I, What's his full name? I play Paco like this. De Lu- Paco de Lucia. Yeah. Paco de Lu- Lucia. 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 I I play like this, which is really like uh, 13th century whatever guitar that's play. what I was thinking I was like he's very 13th century <laughs> I'm sitting here thinking that the whole time you have to you have to <laughs> no somebody wrote that 50. somebody wrote that about 13th, me once. I was really on the 13th century uh, somebody wrote that about me I'm thinking I don't <laughs> think there were I don't think there were guitars at the th- 13th century but some guy some musicologist once wrote about my the 13th century so I adopted that fine 13th okay. century but it's really how the flamenco used to play and now they and play he, he cross-legged played. and they cross-legged and they sit in a different way that's one thing uh-huh. then his his his, uh, his harmonic progressions were not flamenco like not a traditional flamenco mm-hmm. he opened his he opened the mind of many you know and then he started and then when he did Night in San Francisco with McLaughlin and with uh, Daniela Race with the devil on the Spanish highway. Totally. I actually played with Dimiola for a few months. I used to love him when I was he, a kid. Yeah, he couldn't stand the fact that I use a capo. Really? So I, I use a capo when I play. And um, <coughs> I use this capo. So Why, what, what, what did he... Uh, because a few things. One he is... thought it was cheating? Beyond cheating. It's like, because we'd play... I do this right in the middle. I need, I'm changing zone. Wait so a You got to show that. At this, oh, you got a camera so, on that. No, do, so that I, do that again. Nobody does that. He's like moving the capo. Yeah, as so he, he would plays. say, "You're not allowed. You can't do that." I said, "What do you mean I can't do that?" So you're not. You, you're not even supposed to play with a capo. I see you move it. What do you mean you move Dude, it? Dude, that's rad. You know, I just move. Dude, <laughs> play. Do that again. So I play like that, and with my bands, there was. I'm with Al on this one. You're not allowed to do that. <laughs> Fuck that, dude. Not, that's not my argument. My argument, my argument was with Al that he doesn't sing. Okay. Yeah. That's funny, man. So yeah, you play with him. Huh? Is that is that because that's that a capo that allows to do that seamlessly? Of most, course, most it doesn't capos, really, it's, not right. it's not meant to. It's not meant to. I had to. Because I'm not good in in, in uh, modulating, you know. I just tell me what 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 more or less key, because I I wouldn't even know what you're talking about. But it's a key of G, okay, and you got to go up to A. I'll do it up to. <laughs> yeah. with modulating but this is um
את מאושרת, אני שומע בקולך שאת עצובה ונסערת. הלו, אני מקשיב למתק שפתייך, מרגיש את פעימותייך, ואני זורם עד אלייך. ירח עולה, והכל כאן מואר, והיופי הזה מתוק ואכזר, מנרומי מיטתי העיר, מושא לרגליים, זו תהיה ממלכתך, אם תבואי אליים. Um, but I mix a lot of the flamenco and the blues and the rock and you know my playing mm-hmm. it's not like which is at the time when I came here to the states was really hard to pigeonhole me as what do I do because I'm not the average rock and roll artist or pop artist so it was really hard to I had to find a record company at the time the guy who signed me was Bruce Lundville do you remember Bruce no. Bruce Lundville was one of the greatest artists executives he was the president of Columbia for a while yeah. he the last thing he did was Nora Jones he signed Nora Jones mm-hmm. uh, but he had he had an affinity for poetry and when he heard that I was doing music to American poets he wanted to hear it right and when I played it in the office he already knew the lyrics yeah. is, he was just an incredible guy and so he signed me on to his label it was Manhattan Records and then the EMI yeah uh, it was it was my way of entering the United States and The market here but the the market here wasn't quite open yet to artists that sang lyrics like I do and my melodies were a little strange so can you play one of those <coughs> of the Amer- of the uh, yeah of the American poets hmm. that's an Elizabeth po uh, Bishop poem mm-hmm. here you know Elizabeth Bishop no she was laureate poet um, in the 70s America oh, okay I probably one heard, of the most influential the poets ever yeah And this is based on her poem called One Art. I call it The Art of Losing. <clears throat> the art of losing isn't too hard to master. So many things seem filled with intent to be lost. Oh, the art of losing Of losing isn't too hard to master Their loss is no disaster Lose something every day Accept the fluster Of lost door keys Accept Badly spent, lose something Faster and farther Lose a day's content Lose a year's lament Oh, the art of losing Isn't too hard to master So many things seem filled Oh, the 
their loss in no disaster. Lose something deep in your heart, a house, a city, a continent, some realms, a two rivers. Names of places you went Lose ground Where your feet once stood firm Lose what falls from the sky Lose the prayers in reply Oh, the art of losing Isn't too hard to master So many things seem filled with I shan't deny It's evident The art of losing Isn't too hard To master Though it may look Though it may look Sing it Look like disaster Oh, oh, oh Yeah, yeah Oh, the art of losing Isn't too hard To master So many things seem filled with intent Great man, as Elizabeth Bishop. That's beautiful. Isn't thank, great? thank you. Oh, you're great. Oh, thank you, man. It's great talking to you. Yeah, you too. Can you? Too just, bad you didn't bring your guitar. Can you just elaborate just a little bit about the um, instrumental album you're yeah, making now, since sure. that's the next thing you're doing? So, um, I met a. And then we can wrap it up. Yeah. So about a couple of years ago, I got a phone call from this guy, Steve Greenberg, who basically distributes my albums here and uh, he's got a, now, a company called S-Curve and it's now owned by BMG Records and, and he said um, do I have any instrumental pieces because he loves my guitar playing and he thinks I should have an instrumental album and I said I don't so I, um, I asked him what's the deal he said well I have some money and I thought it would be a great idea to have your album and I'd love to do an instrumental album he's never done one before yeah, because you're on that level of like Paco and Demiola and all those guys. I wish, but uh, no, I think you are. Thank you. No, but of course I look up at them. But he loved what I do, and especially on on stage when I'm in mean, between songs and I play a lot. I just doodle. I gotta so, say, his shows are like three hours long. Yeah, every I mean, I, every night. It's <laughs> it, it's, it's uh, I'm a f I'm I'm a fan now, man. Oh, it's sweet. Like, yeah, you. I can't wait till when's your next show. My next show New is York. actually at uh, at a very, very, very special venue at, at the Rubin Museum. You know? Oh, I've played that. Yeah, yeah, with like all, all the all the. Make it so. So I'm Make coming to my. Soul, yeah. I have a, a Cuban trio. 
okay. I play with. Uh, that's and great. It, it's beautiful. So anyway, so... Uh, when is I, that show? That's on September 6th. Okay. This, will, this podcast will be out by then. September so. 6th, Anyone Ruben Museum. Yeah. David. It'll be fun. Yeah. After that, I do my Christmas. I have a, a, not a, a David Bros. are not exactly Christmas show on Christmas Eve's. Uh-huh. Oh, that's for great. For 25 years or so. Uh, but that's where, where's that at? This year, actually, we're doing it before Christmas because the date didn't work, and I can't well, remember the name. That's of fine. It. It's not exactly Christmas. So. Exactly. <laughs> <laughs> you can look up at davidbroza.net. Davidbroza.net. <clears throat> anyway, <clears throat> so the guy said, I, I, I said, I don't have any instrumental pieces. He said, but let me try and put something together. I didn't realize how difficult it is to write instrumental pieces compared to songs for me. And so about a year later, I called him. I said, look, I got... Why? Because why? Uh, it's hard to like in- incorporate a melody and, I mean, to and write, stuff. Like, like you know, I have a... You know, just to write... A part I, I'd have Dude. to sit for hours yeah. just to figure it out and it, in songs it's a lot more straightforward to me okay so I called him a year later I said look I got a bunch of pieces he said I don't have the money <laughs> I spent it I said okay but let's do it wait he said he he, he ran he out had of a budget money. and he didn't keep it of course I mean a year a year to write a, okay, an album a year went by a year <laughs> went by a year went by that's, okay. the, that's the that's the short story yeah so uh and then another year goes by, mm-hmm. and he and I keep on talking. He says, let's do it anyway. Yeah. And so finally, about uh, four months ago, I had, had this idea to call a producer that I'd worked with before who produced Paco de Lucia and Buica. And who's that? Buica is an amazing musician. No, I Spain. mean, who's the producer? Oh, the producer is Javier Limon. Javier Limon. Limon. Limon, like lemon. Oh, lemon. Limon. Amazing guy. Amazing. He actually teaches in uh, Berkeley School of Music now for the wow. piano, from quite a few years. And I wrote him a text. I said, would you be interested? I have this idea. He calls me up immediately, and I tell him what the, the deal is. It's going to be BM- BMG Records, one uh, instrumental. And he says, you know, I haven't done anything since Paco. Let's do it. Something okay. I'm getting all my gear together. I put 12 pieces together, 12 pieces of music. And uh, a month ago, I went to Spain. We spent a week in the studio. Mm-hmm. And we recorded this album and uh, filmed it. <laughs> and I said, now I realized that's I'm, smart I'm that actually you film everything. Yeah, but also in the film has to have a story. Mm-hmm. East Jerusalem, West Jerusalem had a story of the coming right. together of Israelis and Palestinians. So the in this wives. Ca- say, and the wives. They <laughs> didn't come. They did come. So I ended with the Spain. I we suddenly came came to mind that Spaniards don't understand that the guitar is a Spanish guitar. The Spanish guitar, and I think it's the greatest contribution Spain. that Spaniards, Spain has made to the world. To the world. So, I mean, they've, they've obviously discovered America, and they have paella and jamón and chorizo, but I think... The so guitar. The, this, the, mm. the story of the album will be actually the story of the Spanish guitar. That's great. And, uh, yeah, will be done by... What's the album called? Guitar Confessions. Mm. That's the work title. We'll see. Yeah. What, what did you just say that... Uh, Oh, the story of the Spanish guitar. Yeah, the Spanish. Gu- 
I like the story of the Spanish guitar. Uh, as a title? Yeah. Maybe? It's right now we have a work title, so we'll yeah. see. We'll get there. Yeah. But what is the story of the Spanish guitar? I don't have I know nothing about guitars. The, the, the how far back does the Spanish guitar? Well, go? Spanish guitar actually it starts already with the influence of Arab music, the oud and the lute. Mm -hmm. But it then it it only had four strings. And then I think about 3 or 400 years ago, the Spaniards added a fifth string. And I think about 200 years ago, they added the sixth string. I'm very general right now. Mm -hmm. And it became a, uh, the instrument of the parlor. You know, uh, you'd, ever, you'd have um, a high society over. would have a party. Then yeah. they would have a musician come and sing. And they would accompany himself on guitar rather mm -hmm. than a cembalo. So the or first singer-songwriters were about 300 years ago or 200 Something years like ago. that, probably. Interesting. Although troubadours were in the 11th century already. Yeah. And uh, Spanish guitars were 13th century. Yeah. <laughs> I don't know. <laughs> <laughs> Listen, you got to tell your story, you know you're telling a good one. The rest doesn't matter. Right. Truth and is what you think it is. Yeah. And perception is That's everything. That's the truth, man. Yeah. I'll tell you lots of truths that I have, but it'll be for another podcast. Part yeah. two. Yeah. And, and then there's one other thing I wanted to ask you real quick before. This, yeah, this could go on forever. Yeah, it's okay. We're going on for, for an hour 45. We, oh, should do, we should do part two sometime. <laughs> but uh, your whole um, sort of interview series about like... Um, do you think a song can actually oh, mm. change the, <coughs> well, change, this is another change film. the world? You got to mention that. That's fascinating. That's, that's fascinating. So yeah. I, I decided to make a film. And then I want I you to answer that. Another film. Question. I wouldn't know. I'm, I'm in the process. So what I'm doing is I'm... You don't know if a song can I'm, actually change the world? I don't know about the world, but my question to artists as yeah. well as you is, does a song play a role in social change, political change? Uh, wherever you are, can it play a role? Yeah, I, I have an easy answer to that. What is your answer? Is, yeah, of course. Because, uh, I mean, just even when I was a kid, like, a song could help me survive. And so, therefore... Change your world. Oh, yeah, well, it, it made my world possible, you know. It definitely helped me survive. So, from survival comes everything. So. Right, and you can affect your immediate area, and, and that... That's already yeah, social change. Of, of course, yeah. I agree with that. You know, I've asked, I've asked some, and some have said, "Forget about it. It's just." See, and I've had, I but then, but this artist I spoke with in Spain, serious artist. Yeah, they they had a lot to say, and they they thought it it, it maybe it doesn't maybe it's not the epitome of change, but it is the general notion of what a song can bring to a manifestation or to a general mm. idea at a time when people are at a loss suddenly a song can uplift your mood inspiration and absolutely we, we inspire each other absolutely. we become a light to each other and then there's a whole community of the dark side on this plane as well that are out to like antagonize and subvert right and that would be like you know the the troops for this guy again you he know he can't stand those songs and, and he you know and I'm I'm of the uh, I, I'm not on his team. That's right. And so like, <laughs> he reminds you that you're not. Yeah, exactly. You know, <laughs> I like to keep him in his place. You know, but uh, yeah. So we we you know we give each other all like that's what we're doing. That's, that's what right. we're, we're warriors for the light. You know, I absolutely agree with that. Yeah, so we're the bullets it's a good, in the it's, For me, it's an light. exercise of of talking to people who are enlightened uh, artists and 
see how they feel about it and hopefully that can enlight bring light onto the importance mm-hmm. because you know in in many cultures and governments today the the one thing that threat the threat the greatest threat is intellectual and to in intellectuality and I think the biggest threat is li- to, I'm talking to, is, to to lead to leaders to dictators oh, and to, well, and to close societies is people that, people have a war against empathy and a war against love if there's a conspiracy it's a conspiracy to eliminate empathy and eliminate in order love to control it's in order to control right. so and love sh- and empathy is yeah. makes us freedom fighters true and so you have to I have to promote songs I have to promote yeah. singers. I have to promote the 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 creative side of one's heart, you know. Yeah. And so that's what we give guitars to little kids. Let them be in touch with themselves and yeah. Find you know. No, you are epic, man. Oh. You are like you're killing it. <laughs> like you are like I mean, come on, dude. You're so inspiring. Thank you. Well, it's inspiring you, to be here. Thanks yeah, you're inspiring me very much, and I hope you know everybody who hears this. You know, I yeah, mean, me too. I hope they they turn to more conversations because there's other guys on these podcasts that I want to hear. So yeah, where, where can people follow you, David? Yeah, let's give online. everybody your info well, and how to and how to help your projects as oh, well. Oh, thanks. Well, uh, I'm David Broza.net. I'm David Broza One on Instagram. Okay. And David Broza on Facebook, and it's easy to easy to write me and to. Uh, Was David Broza taken on Instagram that you had to put the one? Somebody took it. Really? Yeah, I, I have to be Joseph underscore Arthur oh, really? on Instagram, which yeah. is a bit of a drag. Rose is I'm going to follow you. Of a name. Well, then Joseph Arthur. Joseph many, Arthur, right? How many of those guys? That's right. It's always there's a, they're all they're always ministers for some yeah. reason. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. Joseph Arthur is a yeah. great minister. Yeah. For what? Minister of what? No, I'm, t- I'm not a minister, but yeah, minister of love. Hopefully, there you go. Of, 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 there you go. Of, uh, you know. Joseph Arthur is the minister of love. Yeah, trying, trying every day of inspiration. He's the guru. Yeah, helium guru. Helium guru. Yeah, Joseph Arthur. You got David Broza, it's wonderful to meet you. Thank you. And I, I look forward to following all that you do. Yeah, we'll cross paths again. I know it. Next time with a guitar in your hand. Yeah, I'm intimidated. I need some. Good, I, I need to get into my David Broza fucking. <laughs> I'm gonna I'm gonna do that. I'm gonna start practicing more. I do. Yeah. Okay, well, I keep practicing. Yeah. Okay. Great to meet Thank you. you. Thank you. Hi, this is Joseph Arthur. Thanks for checking out Come to Where I'm From. Please support us on Patreon, patreon.com slash come to where I'm from. We are an independent podcast, and any contributions you can make are greatly appreciated.